So look, this is what uh, this shear is dedicated loving memory of David Wicks, Zichronolid Rachab by his family. David was a student in the yeshiva, and his loss was certainly felt by all those who know him or knew him. Um, these two parashiyot, last week's parasha and this week's parasha, Yitro and Mishpatim, are the parashiyot that describe Matan Torah, the, what we call Matan Torah, which is a, an extraordinary event connected to the giving of the Torah, as opposed to the 38 years in the desert where Moshe Rabbeinu taught the Torah to B'nai Yisrael, but that was sort of like a regular event. The teaching of the Torah was regular teaching. And Moshe Rabbeinu, Moshe Rabbeinu taught the Torah to B'nai Yisrael during those years. Of course, he received the Torah. He received the Torah as a prophetic uh, event. He prophesied the continuation of the Torah every time. But these parashiyot Yitro and Mishpatim talk about an extraordinary event. And in the parashah Mishpatim, it talks about the fact that Moshe Rabbeinu went up on Har Sinai for 40 days and 40 nights and received something. It's not clear exactly what he received, but he received something. So in Yitro is the Aserta that they brought. Aserta that they brought this theophany. That's the theophany. That's God making, uh, giving us an awareness of the fact that the Torah could be given to man slash woman. That, that's what the Aseret, that what we call Aseret that they wrote is not so much about the content of the Torah as about the possibility of a Torah. It proves to us that it could happen. And so that when later on, when Moshe Rabbeinu came and said to us, this is the Torah, we had a good reason to believe him. Because we know, we knew at that time that Moshe Rabbeinu received Torah. Again, how do we know that, that Moshe Rabbeinu received Torah? Because standing at Har Sinai, this is what the, the Rambam says and the Ramban says, right? standing at Har Sinai, we were all in Moshe Rabbeinu's head. He was a prophet that we were just like him. And so when HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave the Aseret that they brought, or the beginning of the Aseret to Moshe Rabbeinu, we were sort of there. And we knew that it was happening. So it wasn't like prophecy. It wasn't like prophecy. Prophecies when somebody comes and says, I'm a prophet, and you say to him, well, well, prove it. Prove to me that you're a prophet. How do you prove it? The Torah says, he does a miracle. And then if you want, you're asking for another miracle. So if he does miracles, he's able to kind of marshal the forces of God that he's probably a prophet. But we don't believe him ever a hundred percent. Because the prophet can only come to defend the Torah. He can never change the Torah. So if the prophet comes and says, he does a miracle or he does whatever, then he says, God decided to tell me to change the Torah. You shouldn't keep Shabbos the way you keep Shabbos. So you don't believe it. There's nothing, he can't do anything that'll make you believe it. 
Moshe Rabbeinu's prophecy at Har Sinai was different because we knew that it was true. We knew that Moshe Rabbeinu's prophecy, that he received prophecy from God. How did we know? How did we know? Because we were in the Moshe Rabbeinu's head. All of us, all of the 600,000 Jews who were there were in Moshe Rabbeinu's head and therefore it didn't need verification. And so later on, even though Moshe Rabbeinu taught us the Torah that he learned personally, privately, he went into the Ol Moed, he learned the Torah personally and privately. But we knew, we had good reason to think that that, that was true. Because we had information about the Torah, and we knew that Moshe Rabbeinu had been the prophet of the Torah. And therefore, the assumption that he was still the prophet of the Torah was reasonable. It was a, reason, it was a reasonable assumption. I don't think, even though it would seem from the Rambam that the Rambam thinks it's 100% true, I mean, even you could argue that maybe it's not 100% true, but it's pretty extraordinary. It's pre pretty much extraordinary. So now, the first pasuk on the sheet is in Perik Yutet. Perik Yutet is the Perik before Perik Kaf. And Perik Kaf in, in, uh, in Yitro is the Perik of, uh, of Aserita Dibrot. So this Perik Yutet is about preparation for the Aserita Dibrot. The preparation of Aserita Dibrot the people had to cleanse themselves and prepare themselves and, 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 and establish a, a boundary, right? They wouldn't go up on Har Sinai, but up to a certain point. That's also the Pasuk says in Perikutet Pasukhet, Vayanu Ha'am the Moshe Rabbeinu comes down from, her, from, her, from God to tell them what they should do to prepare themselves. This is not Moshe, this is the first time Moshe Rabbeinu went on Har Sinai. Right? The first time was just to find out what the Jews are supposed to do to prepare themselves for the Aseret Debrot. And so Moshe Rabbeinu tells them, Vayanu kolam yachdav, and all the people answered together, Vayomru. And this is what they said, Kol asher deber Hashem na'aseh, Everything that God has spoken to us, na'aseh, meaning we will do, vayashev Moshe So what does the word na'aseh mean? What does the word na'aseh mean? It means we'll do it, but whatever you tell us to do, we're going to do it. It's very simple, a simple word and a simple interpretation of a simple word. The reason that I bring that is that this word is used twice in our parasha in Mishpatim at the end. And the question will be why. But if you look at Shmot Perik of Dalit, the second, the second section, it says, Moshe, Hashem, Mishpatim. So Moshe Rabbeinu came and told B'nai Yisrael all the Mishpatim. Now, if I don't look at Rashi, what would I say the word Mishpatim refers to? What's the word Mishpatim? It's the laws that were presented in the parasha of Mishpatim. Why were the laws presented in the parasha of Mishpatim? So that the Jews would know, Am Yisrael would know Torah. They'd know, so when God said, do you accept it or don't you accept it? 
It would be based on something, based on, on knowledge and information of the Torah in the parish of Mishpatim. That's what the word Mishpatim means. And all the people answered together as one. And they said, as they did in Perikutet, whatever God said, Naaseh. Naaseh, I guess, means we will do. Because all of the things in the parish of Mishpatim, the laws of slaves and the laws of torts and the laws of Shemitah, all of those things are laws. Right? And they all imply Naaseh. And so the Jews, hearing all these laws, they answered, they answered Naaseh. They answered Naaseh. Okay? Then the next Pasuk says, well, let's, uh, let's look at the Rashi. Let's Vayavo Moshe Vayisapela'am Bobayom. On that day, Bobayom, on that day, what day are we talking about? The day of the Aserita Dibrot. Vav Sivan. Vav Sivan, or Zayn Sivan. But we celebrate Vav Sivan as the day of Matan Torah. Right? That's a separate discussion. Et Chol Divrei Hashem. And called the Reshem Mitzvot Prisha Vahagbala. Prisha, separate this, sexual separateness, and Hagbala, that there is a limit, there's a gvul, there's a, a boundary. You can go so far and not anymore. These two words, Prisha and Hagbala and Rashi, represent, these two words rep- <coughs> represent Perak uh, Yutet in, in Shemot. It was before Aseret Adibrot, HaKadosh Baruch Hu told Moshe Rabbeinu to tell the people of Israel, Prishava Hagbala. And then the words that call them Mishpatim, which I think could be explained simply as being the parish of Mishpatim, but Rashi says, no. Sheva Mitzvot Shenitznavu B'nei Noach. What are the Mishpatim? All, everything that pre-existed Matan Torah. One is Sheva Mitzvot B'nei Noach. Where are they written? Well, uh, no place. What? In Breshit. Yes, yeah, sort of. You know, they're written in Breshit, but they're all uh, um, derived. They're not obvious. I mean, except maybe murder. And then he says, Shabbat, the Kavod Avaim, Shabbat is Shabbat. Kavod Avaim is the Mitzvah Kibbut Avaim. Paraduma, how Paraduma got in there exactly, but it's in the in the list. Vidinim, dinim means you have to set up courts. You have to be able to judge the people. Shenitnu lahem b'mara, mara is where they were after Yitziat Mitzrayim. They got to mara, and the pasuk says sham sam lo choku mishpat v'shadisau. So that what Rashi says, one of the mishpatim, all the mitzvot that they learned. Before Aseret Adibrot, in other words, there were there was if Yitro is the fulcrum, so there's before Yitro they learned all these mitzvot for some reason or other, and then after Yitro in the parish of Mishpatim they learned other mitzvot. So Rashi says that Kola Mishpatim refers to all the mitzvot that they learned before the parish of Yitro. Okay, Pasuk Dalit. 
Here we get to it. Vayichtov Moshe et kol devrei Hashem vayashkem baboker and Moshe wrote all the words of God. Vayashkem baboker he got up in the morning. Vayiven mizbeach tachat ahar u'shtei mitzrei matzeva l'shtei masar shivdei Yisrael. So this is like a, this pasuk has two parts. The first part is what we're interested in. It says, Vayichtov Moshe et kol devrei Hashem. That Moshe Rabbeinu wrote down all the words of God. Now, what are the words of God? All these things that Rashi mentioned. All these mitzvot that Rashi mentioned. And then, then it says, Vayikach. Well, Rashi, look at Rashi. See Rashi? I'm sorry. Vayichtov Moshe mibreshit v'ad matan Torah. So in those, what did Moshe Rabbeinu write down? He wrote down the Torah that pre-existed Matan Torah. And what was the Torah that pre-existed Matan Torah according to Rashi? The stories about Abraham and Yitzchak and Yaakov and Yosef, they knew all of those stories. And they probably had an oral tradition about learning them and teaching them to their children. Right? They, they taught their children about Avram Avinu. And so when you teach something orally, it somehow, sometimes it gets like, coalesces into a, a what would you call it, a nusach. It has a version. Like the old people are teaching the young children about Avram Avinu. So they have some kind of litany that they go through and they, 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 they say it. That it was that litany for some reason that Moshe Rabbeinu wrote down Rashi says that Moshe Rabbeinu wrote it down what did he write down? the story there were, there were very few mitzvot well they were at the end but you know the beginning Avram, Yitzchak, Yaakov they don't have so many mitzvot to write down okay okay then the last pasuk, pasuk Zayin, Vayikach Sefer Habrit. And Moshe Rabbeinu took Sefer Habrit. What Sefer Habrit? The book of the covenant. What book? What covenant? What is he talking about? What is the pasuk talking about? The book was what Moshe Rabbeinu wrote down. Rashi says Sefer Habrit, Nebreshit Ad Matan Torah. From Breshit until Matan Torah, therefore, according to Rashi, it's exactly the same as Rashi says, Moshe. So the book that Moshe Rabbeinu wrote down had a name. And what was its name? The Sefer Habrit. In other words, the covenant, the agreement between HaKadosh Baruch Hu and B'nai Yisrael was in part done on a book that Moshe Rabbeinu wrote down. Why did he write it down? Why wasn't it written down before? Why wasn't it a book that everybody had? Why, why was it the oral until Moshe Rabbeinu came along? I will tell you what I think is a possible, but at any event, the rest of the Pasuk, Pasuk Zion. Vayikach sefer abrit, vayikach sefer abrit, vayikrabaz ne'am. And then Moshe Rabbeinu took the Sefer Abrit. What's written in Sefer Abrit? All the things that they knew already. They just got written down. 
Vayikra Boznei Ha'am. I'm reading the Pasuk. Moshe Rabbeinu read it to the people. Why did he read it to the people? They knew it. My assumption. They knew it. They knew the stories of Avram and Yitzhak and Yaakov. And they knew the mitzvot that Moshe Rabbeinu had taught them along the way. So why did Moshe Rabbeinu, after he wrote it down, why did he write it down? Okay, he needed to say for a brief, like you go to court, you know, you swear on a, on a Bible. It sounds like it does something. Not clear what it does exactly. But hey, they don't do that anymore, I think. But then, and they say, after Moshe Rabbeinu read to them the book that he wrote down, which they knew already, right? Because they knew the stories of Avram, Yitzhak, and Yaakov. Vayomru, then B'nai Yisrael said, Kol HaShedi Hashem. What did they say? Naseh Nishma. So what happened between the first response of B'nai Yisrael, which was Naseh, and the second response of B'nai Yisrael, which was Naseh Nishma? What happened between A and B? Well, you know what happened. The Sefer Habrit. That's what happened. There was a book. When there was no book, but they knew the histories and they knew the stories and they knew what was going on, but there was no book. So they said, Naseh, whatever God says, we will do. When there was a book, they said, Naseh v'nishma. What does nishma mean? I don't know. But it means something like further understanding. Further understanding. I don't, you know, naseh means I understand what you want from me. Right? The Moshe Rabbeinu said, Prisha, separate yourself. Hagbalah, uh, limit yourself. Right? So they said, oh, I get that. We know what that is. So what's the nishma? Nishma's further understanding. So you understand, you, you can understand that Moshe Rabbeinu is teaching them about Torah Shebichtav. And what's the difference between Torah Shebaal Peh and Torah Shebichtav? Torah Shebaal Peh, Torah Shebaal Peh, you can't, you can't learn it because every version is self-sufficient. Let's say people were teaching about Avram Avinu. So one person said it this way, another person said like, like I guess the early versions of Homer. Torah about Peh, oral. Today everything is different. So don't ask me a question about today. Because there's no Torah about Peh anymore. Everything becomes Torah Shabbat. But in the days where there was Torah Shaval Peh, so the person sitting on one mountaintop would be telling the story, and a guy sitting on another mountaintop would be telling a similar story. But the words would not be the same. And when the words are not be the same, you can't darshan them. Because who cares about a drasha made about a word which you might not really be part of the story? So you can't make a drasha. What happens when it becomes Torah Shemichtav? 
Torah Shabbat means the version of the story is fixed. It's, it cannot be changed. Oh, then you can make a drasha. For those of you who remember learning a Mishnah, a Mishnah, very often the Gemara argues about what the real statement in the Mishnah is and what the Mishnah really meant because the Mishnah is Torah Shabal Peh. Even though it's true, it's written down. For, we wrote it down, but it's Torah Shabal Peh, it's nature. So you can't always know what the wording is. You can't always know what it means. So in the Gemara, the method is we'll say, well, it means this and it means that. And we'll, we'll work out both possibilities. So Torah Shabichdav, Torah Shabichdav is different from Torah Shabalpeh because Torah Shabalpeh ends with the Balpeh. And Torah Shabichdav, Torah Shabichdav is something that is expansive. Even though you might think the opposite. But no. This is the way, this is the way you should think you should think about it. So Moshe Rabbeinu said to B'nai Yisrael, Hey, you remember the things that God wants of you? You remember the mitzvahs that we've talked about? You remember all the things that I've taught you up to today? And all the Jews said, Naseh? Because it was only about doing. But when Moshe Rabbeinu wrote it down, and he made a book, and he said, This book is the centerpiece, center of Sefer Abrit, it's the centerpiece of our agreement. So we agree. We agree about this. So when Moshe Rabbeinu said that, when Moshe Rabbeinu said that, all the people understood that something had changed. And what did they say? What did they say? Naseh v'nishma. They said Naseh v'nishma. What is Naseh v'nishma? We'll do what we understand, but we know that there's further understanding. There's further understanding which and that that was has been the nature, I think, the nature of Torah history since Matan Torah. That we're always looking for the extra meaning, the additional idea, the the point that that the words bring us to. And the reason we do that is because the words are fixed. The words are fixed, and not only are the words fixed, but we made a tremendous effort. We made over the last 3,000 years. I mean, I don't know if you noticed, but if you'd like to go to, you know, strange places, and you find a sacred Torah that's written in a strange place by strange-looking people who are Jewish, you will find, interestingly enough, that every sacred Torah, I'm going to exaggerate now, is exactly the same. It's exactly the same. It's remarkable. Except for three very small distinctions between what they call Sifrei Torah Shel Ashkenazim, Vishel Svaradim, a Vav in a word and a Yud in another word. That's all. That's all there is. The only difference is, the only difference is that this was a tremendous effort. A tremendous effort was done by the scribes and the people associated with the scribes to maintain a text. I mean, I mean, today there's a study that people in university, you could study uh, mistakes. Mistakes in manuscripts. So what kind of mistakes do people make when they copy? What kind of mistakes does, do you make when you type? These people used to type, now they just computer. Anyways, when you had to hit the key, 
especially with your pinky, it was easier to make certain kinds of mistakes. But we always make mistakes. Always, therefore, it's remarkable that the Sifrei Torah have been maintained almost without a mistake. I mean, I won't say it's miraculous, because I don't know about that, but if I was, like, in, you know, enthusiastic, I would say miraculous. But I'm not that enthusiastic. So they, that the reason for that is because everybody understood that that was the nature of a Sefer Torah. I mean, that, took, that went on until printing. Printing, everything changed. Because once you print a Sefer Torah, you know, you print, uh, they call it Tikkun. Then you could just copy it, and then you could check it. And you could do it so many times that it'll come out right. But before that time, that's the 15th century, right? 1500s? When is in Kunabula? 1500s? 1595. I'm sorry, 1495. The very last bit of the 15th century is in Kunabula. Till the 1500s. So it's mostly the 1500s. The, fi- the first hundred years are called, they're called in Kunabula. The first hundred years of printing, right? I don't know about Chinese. Chinese, they also had printing. Maybe even earlier. But we like Gutenberg for some reason. But I guess we're all Talmudim. So this is how I understand these psukim. The difference between naseh and naseh v'nishma. Right? That naseh means I know what it is I have to do and that's the end of it. And naseh v'nishma means I know what I have to do but that's just the start of it. Right? That's just the start of it. And, and Am Yisrael has pretty much lived on that interpretation of naseh v'nishma that whether you call it, like the Kuzari called it, an ongoing revelation, right? In other words, the, uh, we, we like to think of the spiritual history of Am Yisrael as constantly repeating itself. So that if at Har Sinai the Jews stood there and received the Torah, the idea of receiving the Torah goes on every generation. We are receiving the Torah again and again because the interpreters recreate the Torah's understanding and meaning and which enables us to accept the Torah all over and over again. So some people look askance about on minhagim. Minhag means, uh, well, uh, the translation, of course, is custom, but what it means, what a minhag means is that it arises on its own. It's like a phoenix. All of a sudden, people do it in a certain way. And you don't know why. Right? And if you check into it, you like try to be historically accurate, so you say, gee, this is a minhag not based on anything. But, but that might be a good thing. You know, you have to think about it. It might be a good thing that we do things that, that we, can, we create something and we give it spiritual value. We say it's, uh, it's very important. The Torah wants us to do this. That's a, a minhag. That's a minhag. It's not based on a, you know, a decision of a court or necessarily of great rabbanim. And sometimes the minhag even contradicts the bare halacha. But you can't... Uh, but the spirit of the people 
It's like with the sun at Tokev. You know, I remember the sun at Tokev on Rosh Hashanah. So, you know, the, the Balatanya and the sitter of the Balatanya, he took out all the piyutim. If you ever see a Chabad machzer uh, for Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur, it's very short compared to the pain we give ourselves on Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. But they couldn't take out in the Sanatokia. The people rebelled. The Balatanya, he was the Godel Hador. He knew more than anybody else. He wrote more than anybody else. He had everything under control. But not the Sanatokia. He couldn't do that. People wanted to cry when they said it to the Sanatokia. And, and it, just, it didn't work. So, so the Sanatokia, for many people, became the most important part of, of Musaf, curiously. You know. In any event, that's what I think these psukim mean. Now I want to show you what the Shemesh Shmuel thinks these psukim mean. Okay? So the Shemesh Shmuel, Shemesh Shmuel. Line number one. Ba'ata lefizeh yesh lavin shinuya lashon. He says, we've got to explain why the language is changed from one place to the other, meaning from Perik Yutet the from Pergutet it says Nishma Nase, and Perikavdal it says Nase Nishma. Right, that's what he says. Dine Yisod Kol Hamitzvot Vrashitan Yisod Kol Hamitzvot. The the underlying principle that applies to all of the mitzvot Vrashitan LeKabel Alav the they they are important. The important part is lekabel alav ol malchut shemayim. That's what mitzvot are. Mitzvot are the most important thing about mitzvot is that if you do the mitzvot, you're accepting the yoke of heaven, right? That's what the God said. Do it, right? It's very similar to a kibud avaim. Right? Kibud avaim is in like a, some minor version of Kabbalat al-Mitzvot. If, if uh, your father or mother tells you they want something or do something, so you do it even though you think it's sometimes unnecessary, superfluous, ridiculous, et al. He says, V'hainu la'asot kechol asher nitztaveh belishu mitchakmut v'yidiyat ha'ta'am. He says that the way you do the mitzvot is you do them because God told you to do them, so you do them. Belihit chakmut, without being a wise guy about it, or without being clever. And trying to figure out what possible reason could there be for, for doing mitzvot. Now this, this idea of yidiyat Right was very popular at the time of the Rambam, right? The, the, the Rishonim, around the year a thousand and on. And it became totally unpopular today. I mean, today nobody would write a book, I think, maybe. I don't know all the books. But today it's not Tamer Mitzvot. The reasons for the Mitzvot are not interesting because they have proven futile. What happened? Somebody said that you can't eat pig's meat because it's not healthy. After all, the pigs go around wallowing around in dirt, they don't mind. 
So why would I want to eat pig's meat? Then they found out that, uh, that three billion other people eat pig's meat and don't seem to be adversely affected by it. So along came the reform uh, Jews in America, and they said, so, so what's wrong with eating pig's meat? You could eat pig's meat, right, obviously. If the reason was that, and if that's proven, disproven, so why not eat it? So Tamea uh, Mitzvot fell into disfavor. Disfavor, so like Shabbat. It's easy enough to defend a day off, right? You know, everybody wants a day off, a week. And that's something that everybody has more or less uh, accepted. But it's not so easy to defend not putting the silverware back into the silverware tray, right? That's a little harder. So that it's but you're better off. Even people who work with ballet tshuva, they offer big rewards, but they don't connect them to the little things. You know, you got to... Anyway. So that's what he says. Mikomakom. He does it because his master told him to do it. That's why I do the mitzvot. Not because they make sense, not because they're good for me. Against the Rambam, Derech Agav. The Rambam thought that the Watameya mitzvot and a third of the book called Moren Nebuchim is about Ta'ameha mitzvot. But this is the Shem Mishmur, lived a thousand years after the Rambam. He said, Ta'ameha mitzvot don't matter. Nothing. And so too when you do the mitzvot. Oh, here you go. This is a could talk like this. Even if you're seichel, right? That's called moach in the lingo. Moach says, this is the stupidest thing I ever could imagine. Yes? You doesn't matter, right? Even if the seichel says that this is a waste of time and, and, and unnecessary, and he says, "I'm only gonna. This is only gonna be bad for me, like like uh, like Shmita. I'm gonna stop working the land. I stop working the land. Want earn a living. Want earn a living. My family will be in trouble." Right? That's trouble. That's called trouble. Doesn't matter. The Shemesh world says, what you do is, you do what God told you to do. You don't make, you don't make a deal with the mitzvot. You don't say, this is a good one, and this is not so good. I'll do the good one, and I'll ignore the one that's not so good. That's what he says. osim mitzvot machmat Hashem He repeats that. It's because God told us to do it, that's why we do it. So you see that over the years, the, here's the, the Shemesh Mul, he says, forget about Tamei mitzvot. forget about the rationale for mitzvot. It doesn't matter because at the end of the day, God told us to do it, so you have to do it. The fact that I can't explain it, I can't explain it, I mean, what difference does it make? Then he says, Vachati imna vinatam hamiti he says, it doesn't matter, it's all the same. If we understand something and we get some benefit uh, from it, Mikol Makom Osim Amitzvah. What? Yeah, Chaz Vashalom. Mikol Makom Osim Amitzvot Machmat Sava'at Hashem Yitbarach. That's it. 
‫ואחת היא, אם נבין הטעם, ‫ואיך זה מביא לאושר האמת האלה, ‫זה אוקיי. ‫אם אני מבין את הרעיון של המצווה, ‫אני מבין למה זה טוב לי, ‫או חס ושלום, ‫אפילו נראה בעיני אדם להפך. ‫אם אדם חושב שהמצווה ‫לא יכולה לעשות לו ‫עושים מחמת ציווי השם יתברך. ‫זאת אומרת, הוא אומר, ‫וזהו מחמת הביטול האמיתי ‫שישראל בתהילים להשם יתברך. ‫אז זה החסידיק נושן, ‫שבאמת מהקבלה, ‫וזה נכון על ביטול. ‫הביטול ביטול אומרת before before Kodesh Baruch Hu. Everybody understands, I think. Everybody could imagine. Or you see in the movie, you go, to, uh, you go to confront a king. So for that moment, that moment you lose your identity. The king says, the king says, here, have a salami sandwich. You take it. Or the king says, you know, how come you, you're wearing that while you wear something else? You, 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 for the moment, For the moment you put up with it, whatever the king said, that, that's, what he, that's what he says. That's bitul ha'amiti, right? The effacing of your own personality, she'yisrael b'teilim la'ashem itbarach, that in which we become self-effaced before HaKadosh Baruch Hu, she'ein lahem b'chinat atzmam klal. שאין, they don't have an independent, it's very much a very non-modern idea, that you don't have a, a real personality, you don't really exist in the face of God. You can't, that's why you need a Moshe Rabbeinu to argue with God, but people cannot do that. People can't do that. That's why uh, the Batichava, Batichava was uh, like a model, like he was He was the Moshe Rabbeinu of the generation, according to the way, you know, he, he argued with God. Of course, it wasn't like Moshe Rabbeinu, it wasn't like face to face with God. But the Badishiva, that's what he thought he should do. He should, he should put in a plea for, uh, for a better situation for the people. But his plea was not based on mercy. It was based on justice. He would say, we don't deserve this. He didn't say, just uh, uh, give us uh, uh, mercy. That was, the, uh, that was Moshe Rabbeinu. Moshe Rabbeinu invented arguing with God. Avram Avinu invented questioning God. But questioning for, for an answer. Okay. To Moshe Katab, David HaMelech, Allah Shalom, Nafshi, כגמול עלי אמו. נפשי, מה? זה סיימה אידיאה, זה פוסק זה קצת סטרנג'. בואו נעבור. ואיש אשר אלה לא, אדם שיש לו את הביטול, מותר לו להסתכל ולהשיג טעם המצוות. So there you go. He says, if a person is able to deny his personality, 
facing God. If he's willing to say, I do it because God told me to do it, then remarkably he says, Mutar lo listakel ulasig tam ha-mitzvot. That's the person who can try to discover the real meaning of a mitzvah. So that Talmud Torah, Talmud Torah, which is the path to the discovery of the real meaning of a mitzvah, is prefaced upon bitul, that I accept it because God demands it of me. Once I am able to do that, I'm able to take myself out of the discussion to a certain extent. I can put myself back into the discussion and try to figure out and try to figure out what it really means, what the mitzvah really means. So you know that in Chassidut, uh, in the Chabad Chassidut, other Chassidut, you know, there were books written on Tamea Mitzvot, including the, the former Rebbe. Because in that case, even if his seichel, his smarts, will confuse him, and he'll think that this mitzvah is somehow not correct, since there's no longer a conflict, even if when he thinks about it, he comes up with the wrong conclusion, he won't let that influence his acceptance of the tzivui, of the command from heaven to keep the mitzvah. But instead, what is he going to say? He's going to say, well, obviously, it's something I don't understand. I could understand it better. I understood it better, but I don't understand what the Torah means, so to speak. But a person who is not so, does not cleave so much to God. He says, a person who is not, that doesn't reach that level of perfection. What is that level level of perfection? What perfection? That 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 God told me to do it. I'm going to do it, right? I I, I don't have any question about that. But somebody who uh, who does not reach that level of perfection, it's better that he should not deal with this question. That's like today in Yeshivot. And he should do everything t'mimut, perfection. He should just be accepting of the divine command. Because if he knew the reason, the rationale for a mitzvah, then his cleverness will confuse him. Now, you see, Alkain, it's um, three, four, five, six, seven lines on the bottom. The second word, Alkain, Yisrael Mimatan Torah. When Bnei Yisrael heard about the Torah, Lomar Nishma. Here, the Shemesh it's like good. 
He said, so when they heard that there's a Torah in the world, they were afraid to say, what did they say? They said, Naseh. They said, Naseh. They were afraid to say, Nishma. Because what does Nishma mean? What does Nishma mean? To understand. To understand what is, so, so they, they were afraid to say, Nishma. They were afraid of understanding. They were afraid that their minds were not capable of coming to the right conclusion. Pen, okay, maybe if they would start thinking about the rationale of mitzvot, so their seicha will tell them, this is silly, don't do that. Upen and maybe they would even move off of the straight path. Maybe they would like cool off a little bit. They'd be less uh, uh, devoted to, to this idea. That's why in Perikav Dalit, Pasuk, Gimel, they said, Naaseh. Moshe Rabbeinu said Nasa. Why they say that? They knew they could say Nasa and Nishma, but they were afraid. They were afraid to say Nishma because they would be confused by the analysis. And they didn't want to know any rationale. But they wanted to just follow direct orders from God. But later on, Shishamu, Shamale, Moshe Rabbeinu, Aretem, Kshurim, Tfusim, Anuvim. He said, when Moshe Rabbeinu said to them, You're connected, right? You're connected to, to the Torah. You're connected to Arsina. You're connected to uh, the future. God is, is with you. In Gain Shuv, Loha Yalahem, Lachshosh, Penyin, Atuchas, Vishalom, Midercha, Yashar, Yedei Sichlam. So they were no longer afraid that their Seichel would send them off to uncharted territories. But they were already connected to God's will. That's what Matan Torah meant. And even if the Seichel would tell them that this mitzvah is not so important, it's not so, so, so reasonable, Yavinu betuv shesichlam meshaker lahem sheinam mevinim betuv ma'amar shemidbarach, so that they would understand. They now they felt that if they if they would be misled by seichel, they would be able to say, my seichel must be incorrect. There must be something I'm missing. There must be something, but they can't be ma'amar shemidbarach. Ben kach ben kach yishmeu. And therefore they said Because then it's allowed if you're, if you're that kind of person and your seichel is not going to do you in so then you could say I want also my seichel I want also use my seichel to try to understand and that's what the uh, <coughs> that's what the Shemit Shmuel says so it's a little bit different than what we said before but it's uh, not that different, and it's a current. It's a even though I don't usually like to do this, but I, but I, I would say that 
the people people talk about uh, the Holocaust in this way, right? Either you say, either you say that I cannot understand how God could let this happen, and therefore I let it affect my faith, or I say there are a lot of things I don't understand, and that's nothing to do with faith, right? So. For the people in our generation, my generation, I'm old, but even you know, people who are younger, older than I am, people older than I am, uh, it would seem to me, it would seem to me that there might have once been a crisis brewing about the Holocaust, Holocaust and religion, and somehow that crisis passed, and the primary svara, the primary reasoning for us being able to avoid thinking about the Holocaust in theological terms is that we uh, kind of agree that we don't understand a lot of things. So, you know, as long as as long as the world we live in seems to be more or less okay, so we we just say that we don't understand. Um, personally, I've always found that difficult, but I think that the people, the Jewish people, use that as a as a rationale. Okay, so we had two two interpretations, more or less, of this idea of Nasavinishma. Maybe we'll come back to it next year.